Welcome to Geordie Lass and Doc Sass. One day, a Geordie and a Canadian walk into a bar and decide to start a podcast about relationships and what a topic that is. No subjects are off limits. Get in touch today with us at geordielass.com or email info at geordielass.com and let us know what you think and what we should talk about. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. Hi. Hi, everyone. Welcome. Hello. <laughs> hey. How's it going? Oh, man, I am totally like, what is going on? It turns out moving countries is not easy. I forgot about this. Am I too old for this now? <laughs> I don't know what in your brain thought it was going to be easy. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm surprised that you're surprised at that. <laughs> I am surprised that I'm surprised. <laughs> is this what happens? Like, <clears throat> I think we've talked about this, like when you have a baby, right? And you're yeah. like, never going to have, never going to. And then two yeah. years later, you conveniently forget the... The ripping of your loins. (laughs) Yeah, it's like anything. I think anything that's a truly painful experience that causes you a huge amount of stress. So moving house, but moving house and moving country as well, like double trouble. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Having babies, getting married, getting divorced, all of those big life milestones that happen. They are all horrendous at the time. And then we swear we'll never do it again. I forgot about this. And then generally we do in lots of those circumstances I've just mentioned. I know. <laughs> and then we walk into it being like, this will be great. This will be fine. Yeah. yeah. I'll be fine. It's good though. You're in your optimistic honeymoon, beautiful phase and you will get past these little mini traumas that you're experiencing right now. I know. Well, and also I am doing it for the most wonderful cause. So I am very, very happy uh, extremely, uh, excited and, um, I would say aligned, but I don't know if I like that term in this, in this context. I'm just extremely excited and motivated mm. for all the reasons that I'm doing this. Yeah. Good. Mm. Yeah. She's riding the love train all the way oh my to God. Athens. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Didn't even know there was a train across the Atlantic, but turns out there is. <laughs> Have you never seen Polar Express? <laughs> oh my gosh. Train so can fly around the world. Don't you worry. Oh, it's so true. It's so true. <laughs> All right. So what's going on in your neck of the woods? I, I came, I flew over your neck of the woods briefly, but I just couldn't come visit. It's the closest I've been to you. <laughs> I literally was like, I cannot believe you're that close. I and know. I'm not going to see you. That is insane. I know. I know. Insane. It was the last minute. Oh my God. I know. I know. Yes. It's ridiculous. So, yes. Um, once you get settled and, um, can travel like a regular person with a schedule <laughs> instead of lastminute.com. Not like a then, few days notice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Without like 24 hours, I'm going to be like within seven hours of you. So I know. yeah, we need more notice than that. Oh, but I yeah, know, I know. no, we should definitely, we need to make it happen next year. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. All right. A real in life recording. We are a real in person podcast event. Yes. <laughs> And we're also having a sliding doors because it turns out that Budapest is going to have Jordi Lass and Doc Sass descend upon its very beautiful city, except at different times. So you yes. are going to Budapest extremely I soon. I am. Mm-hmm. I am going to Budapest. I absolutely cannot wait. <gasps> you know, they say the lot of like the, the holiday excitement is in the kind of planning, anticipation. So we like really went hard at the weekend working out where we're going to go to eat, the different um, attractions we're going to visit and oh. sorting out the itinerary list, started talking about a packing, we keep checking the weather. We oh. are in full blown holiday excitement oh, mode. Oh, nice. 
nice. Oh my gosh. Oh, it's fall. Gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, well, I literally can't wait. Although I did say, um, right, honey, we've got one week, one week to go. That's as long as we need to, to remain friends so that we can go on holiday oh. and not be in a funk with each other. <laughs> oh gosh. Yes. That's hard. Yes. We've made a pact to try and stay friends this week. Oh my gosh. How we'll go on holiday. That how is true romantic. love, right? <laughs> it really is true love. All right. I hope neither of you shit the bed. No controversial topics. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Just keep it on the light side. (laughs) Keep it on the light side, my dear. Awesome. Okay, right on. So yeah, that's our task for this week. Our mission is to stay friends and to stay loved up. (laughs) That is wonderful. Awesome. Okay, so what's happening at the Relationship Desk of Love? Okay. I thought you'd never ask. (laughs) I know. So... On today's relationship desk of love, I can't talk, I'm so excited. Ah. Um, <laughs> this, more in the kind of realm of dating as opposed to the realm of in a long-term relationship this week, because I saw a story that um, says Tinder is now allowing your friends and family to recommend matches for you. Oh, nice. Oh, nice. Okay, go on. Mm-hmm. This so was after the, I was on there. Okay. <laughs> uh. it, it did make me laugh. I saw so a post this week, like a local kind of Facebook post. And it said, um, I think Tinder's lost its spark. Where else can I find a match? <laughs> oh my God. The person had posted anonymously. So. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yep. They weren't going to get hit up for anything, that's for sure. Exactly, exactly. So yes, yeah, so this article um, by the BBC News um, shares, would you like to swipe right for this feature? Dating can be a social minefield and there can be pressures to win the approval of your partner's friends and families. But the dating app Tinder has taken it one step further by letting friends and families of users recommend matches. As part of the new Tinder matchmaker feature, users will be able to give others access to their account for 24 hours so they can recommend matches. Oh my gosh. I, like, I, I'm, is this like a beta version? Like, I don't know how this will go. Let's just see. Like how, I, I'm just kind of like, will this, I don't know. Is there a net good or a net disaster? Hard to call it. Well, I mean, it depends what your friends are like, right? <laughs> yeah. If your friends have wanted to try and get one up on you, then uh, you haven't got very nice friends, then they could use that in quite a malicious way. Yeah. But I think generally, most people have got friends that have got good intentions and good natures. And, you know, family, I think, you know, maybe potentially there's some kind of room for kind of disaster there what your mum thinks you might be interested in might not be Mm. kind of who you are interested but your friends I think have generally got a good measure of you do you not think and they know Mm. relationships that haven't worked out for you in the past and they know why and they're maybe looking at things in a slightly different lens so they're looking for different requirements to what you would be kind of because we know that when we're searching on things like this we're searching at a conscious and an unconscious level Mm. whereas your friends I don't know, are they more likely to be kind of looking for something that they know is a, a difference from the things that haven't worked out in the past, maybe? I don't know. I agree. I agree. Um, I, I'm i coaching a lot of people and I'm realizing more and more we have to get out of our ruts and we have to look in fields that we would never have thought to look in. Because when I get kind of a list of must-haves from people who are on the dating scene and they're wanting to be coached around successful dating. I get this lovely list, but then I realize 
or then I, you know, the question comes to me is what would you be willing to give up on Mm. in order to find this person that you describe? And you know, the biggest thing coming up for me is political alignment. I am starting to make this audacious uh, recommendation to people to look on the opposite side of the political spectrum, because I know people who will filter according to political views Mm. and do you believe in this movement? Do you believe in that movement? And I think we're throwing the baby out with bathwater. We're missing, we're missing people who will really align very high compatibility, like of of the stuff that matters. Mm. We may not be able to watch the same TV programs. We may not be able to talk about voting on vote day (laughs) because it might be an inflammatory topic, but that's where I'm very getting very curious. And then a friend might be able to see, maybe able to select the overlooked, the people that we would totally miss because we're going off and chasing people who are wrong for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't there something like 70% of things that you will disagree on as a couple, you'll never be able to kind of get, you know, you'll never be able to agree on them. And that 70% of stuff is just stuff that you need to come to terms with in your relationship. Yeah, I, I am, I... I am now a believer. I never thought. I thought, <laughs> and I realized I was looking for stupid stuff in terms of compatibility. I was looking for dumb stuff like window dressing. When what was I was it, was it to the like marmite or not? Oh gosh, Vegemite marmite, marmite lover or hater? <laughs> I know it was almost like that. Like you know, oh, we should like, we listen to the same music. I'm like, what? You can't build a house on that. <laughs> no. Looking for strong foundational stuff. Yeah. I don't know. You say that I came into the kitchen the other night and my, I, God only knows what playlist my other half had on, but even he admitted it was pretty crap. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Well, as long as he knows he's a little bit out there on the left there. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, that's lovely. Okay. Well, let's stay tuned and see how that goes. Um, it couldn't be any worse than how dating our ups are now, uh, in the words of all my clients. I don't think that I have a single client. Um, Bumble, Tinder, Hinge, these are all just inevitable miseries. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they do seem to be tainted with not the best, not the best kind of view, do they? So, yeah. Well, but it's where everybody's going to date. So it is because we don't, we don't get out there anymore. No. I know we are so digitally enmeshed. So hopefully this is a bright light and maybe all of us are just moving, maybe digital, maybe to the digital world is moving us closer and closer to arranged marriage. Maybe <laughs> that's a whole nother podcast. It's like, what? <laughs> there you go. Good times. Good times. I don't think yeah. we've got time to answer that bit in the love desk. I was going to say, <laughs> I'm going to close that can of worms right as quickly as I opened it. I going to say, Stay I'm, tuned. Writing that, I'm writing that down for a future hot topic. Uh-huh. Yeah, I knew it. <laughs> right, I'm on it. Okay. Oh, nice. Speaking of hot topics. Yes. Would you like one? Yes, I would, please. Yes. Okay. Keeping sex alive in a long-term relationship. Yes, please. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, please. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. If it were easy, we wouldn't be taking this up as a hot topic. Just saying. Indeed. Mm -hmm. Indeed. Mm -hmm. Not easy. What is easy is having sex with somebody you just met. That's pretty easy. But that's not the hot topic. (laughs) I know. (laughs) But let's just contrast. So, okay. Yes. So it's hard. Tell me about, like, for somebody who may not have experienced this, tell me sort of what becomes hard about keeping sex alive in a long-term relationship. 
I think this is such a common problem. So you only have to look at a um, kind of, you know, a string of Facebook comments or questions that are posted on Quora or Reddit or things like that or in magazines. This is something I think you are, you either fall into two camps. I think you either fall into a couple that are kind of long term and sexually happy or you fall into another camp. I literally think it's as black and white as that. Mm, of yeah, people that are yeah. unhappy. I think there doesn't yeah. really, you know, you don't hear much about the in-between. It's it's either you've got it all going on or you haven't really and you're kind of quite dissatisfied with how your sex life is. So I think it's quite a common occurrence. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it is equally as common between kind of um, a younger generation than it is to an older generation so I don't necessarily think that it's kind of age related but I think what it is is we in those first flushes um and I'm sure you can testament to this you (laughs) are flooded with happy hormones all you can do is think about your partner like literally everything else goes out the window you can't concentrate on work you can't concentrate on other priorities because all you think about is when's your when we next getting together when are we next gonna have some sex like Mm -hmm. how great the sex was that we've just had um you know you think about how that person makes you feel so special you think about how you feel so aligned and connected and valued and appreciated by this person Mm -hmm. now who wouldn't want all those lovely concoctions of chemicals running through their body that make them feel like that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. unfortunately it doesn't last so that kind of happy honeymoon um hormonal phase does wear off and it will be anywhere between sort of I don't know what does it say six months and 12 to 18 months to two years depending on kind of where you're at and and I guess what's happening in your relationship um but it will eventually wear off and when that happens you need another plan you need another strategy you need something and you need to give it some thought and I think the primary thing here is that we stop giving it any energy thought intention because Mm -hmm. we didn't need to before it was almost like the body and the mind took over mm-hmm. and provided all of that intention and energy for you. So you didn't actually have to be um, conscious of yeah. thinking about it. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is the problem. Uh, uh, that's absolutely, we were never conscious of it, never trained to. Yeah, it, it hits us like a um, speeding train, maybe not like high speed bullet train, but a very fast train. Because like, you kind of realize, oh my God, this is a problem. How could this be a problem? We were so great at sex. We were so but great. But I think at- the problem is, I don't. I think that train passes through the station without you even noticing. Oh, yeah, no, because you're right. Because you kind of like, you know, you go kind of six months, six months, eight months, 10 months, 12 months, whatever time period is down the lane. Mm-hmm. And you kind of think, hang on a minute. I'm sure we used to have better sex than this. Yeah. And you, you start to think, I can't even remember the last time we had sex, let alone had good sex. Mm -hmm. So, and then as you get out of the habit, you know, we've talked about this before on the podcast, I'm sure that, you know, when you're out of the habit, it's sometimes very difficult to get yourself back into the habit. And -hmm. I think you can almost talk yourself out of sex as much as you can talk yourself into sex. Yeah. But you're more likely to talk yourself out of it than you are into it. So Mm -hmm. you might have kind of a fleeting moment where you think, oh yeah, you know what, could quite fancy it later but then something else happens life gets in the way Mm. you're not attuned to each other the same way and by the time you get to bed you're kind of like oh yeah okay the moment's passed and you can talk Mm. yourself out of it yeah yep totally there does tend to be this thing where one person is more distressed than the other 
there's somebody who might be saying, oh, but isn't it normal to have very little sex while we're in the the child rearing stage of our relationship mm-hmm. where the other person is like, no, 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 I thought we could do all the things, uh, yeah. raise children and have a great sex life. So the, the really painful thing is you're almost never on the same page yeah. in terms of the issue. Um, yeah. And you're usually at war with each other. So yeah, mm-hmm. no, definitely um, it it is the, well, and it's also those like gender, like there's, we seem to think that one gender is responsible for low libido, one is for higher libido. I can assure you that is not the case. Is um, uh, there are high, low, medium libido folks yeah. on all sides of this equation, uh, and it's just so painful. It's so painful because we can't talk about it. There's no space for it in our hypersexualized uh, society. But that's, that's the problem, right? So we don't talk about it. We don't give it any energy. We don't even think about what it is that's causing the problem. Yeah. And yep. we automatically think, oh, it's just because I'm not attracted to my partner, my partner's not attracted to me, I don't feel attractive anymore. You know, we go through all of these different scenarios, but we don't actually kind of, you know, sit down and have a conversation and say, look, how do you feel about it? Are you comfortable mm. with the amount of sex we're having? Are you not, does it, are you like okay with it? Or are you not okay with it? Would you like more or less? Mm-hmm. Um you know, where's the kind of starting position? We don't ask the question about how, what do you think kind of got us here? Mm-hmm. Um, why do you think we aren't having as much sex anymore? We don't start to kind of peel back the layers to understand because it's not as clear cut as just kind of one thing that's not working in the relationship or one combination that's slightly out. You know, it's very often a multitude of um, variables that you pop them all together in that mountain pot and suddenly, you know, it's kind of sex that's out the window and yeah, yeah, you're left with all the other things to deal with. Right, right. Yep, no, agreed. Uh, agreed. So um, what, uh, well, I mean, gosh, we could, there are books written, but um, I do find to, it's hard to like write, like read a book or read somebody's viewpoint and really get like this, ah, game plan. I know what to do because this mm. is so complicated. Everybody is so different. Um, but how do you advise your general approach to this? Like, first of all, acknowledging there's an issue and trying as best as possible to come to the same side of the issue rather than, oh, yeah. I think our sex is fine. Oh, I think we have enough sex. The other person's like, we don't, and I'm miserable. Like trying as much as possible to find some sort of middle ground understanding um, yeah. where, okay, I won't have crazy expectations, but it would be nice to have a little bit more quality slash quantity than we're having it before. And if you can arrive at a, as a couple at that point, then what do you advise doing? Yeah, so I think you're right. The first thing is to understand exactly the point of view from both sides. So what is it you think? What is it I think? But even before I would get to that stage, I would collect your own thoughts on it because it's often not an easy topic to discuss because even when we personally kind of think about something, we'll often dismiss it in our own mind before we've Mm -hmm. even explored anything Mm -hmm. at all. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really, really important to start to explore for yourself where you your thoughts are at so Mm. where do you think it kind of when do you think things kind of stopped a bit and why like what might have been the driver for that what are your own sexual driving needs Mm. so that it's not all about the bedroom right it is about um 
one person might need to feel intimately close to somebody before they can even embark on having any sort of sexual activity. You may need to deal with some kind of financial issues that are worrying you and you can't get beyond those. So because you're kind of up at night worrying about things, you're not sleeping very well, that's having a knock-on effect to your whole mental health and how you see the world. Mm -hmm. So there may be some of those things that you've got to kind of resolve first Mm -hmm. so I'd have a real kind of think about what is it that's my sexual driver when we're in a good space and I want to have sex with my partner what is it Mm -hmm. that's happening what does that look like what is kind of a safe sexy zone look like for us as a couple Mm -hmm. and really kind of formulate that because that becomes your blueprint really for success I would say Mm-hmm. And then it's about having the conversation. So you say, look, you know, I've, get, I've like really genuinely, I've given this some thought. And these are some of the things that are coming up for me. Would you give it some thought and see what comes up for you with posing those same questions? And then give it some space, right? Because you've had time to process it. Now your partner needs time to process that. You can't mm-hmm. expect it mm-hmm. within the space of kind of 20 minutes. All right, brilliant. We've got a fantastic plan here. And we're going to be kind of, you know, rocking the bedroom for the next three months. So we need to then give each other the space, then come back together and have a follow-up discussion that says, right, okay, where did you get to? Tell me what you think. And and if you need to, again, take a little break then, come agree another time to come back and have a conversation about it. And then it is then once you've kind of real got a deep understanding about where each of you are at, what your needs are, what you feel comfortable with, what you don't feel comfortable with some of the other success factors that need to be in place in order to feel like you can give the intimacy side of your relationship a good go, mm. um, then you can start to formulate a bit of a plan because you've, mm-hmm. you've got the basis then for something that does create your personal intimacy blueprint, if you like. And there's, mm-hmm. you know, a lot, there's lots of um, stuff out there that helps you to kind of create these things. But essentially, that's what it is, right? It's what do I need to feel good? What do you need to feel good? How do we work on putting those things in place? And then how do we slowly rebuild that intimate connection? Yeah, yeah, no, totally. And if this has kind of just come upon you in the last six months to a year, Mm. if you catch it early, um, it's easier than to kind of like do your own headway and maybe use some self-directed tools you can find online. I do find if this has been going on for years, which generally it is, Mm. by the time it rears its head, um, it does often require like that third person in the room, a coach, counselor, a therapist, uh, because it's really emotionally charged. And Mm. a lot of the time people are like, I don't know. I don't know what turns me on. I don't know what my needs are. I don't know what's standing in the way. Um, I don't know why we got here. I, I honestly, yeah. the, the why I'm going to say, you may never know why you got there yeah, other I mean, than it takes, it takes a lot of self-awareness. You're right. Like, so you will, you know, at times you'll need some help with that. Yeah. Um, and that's why, you know, we do the work that we do is to try and help couples to understand some of the other stuff that's going on. Cause it's never, it doesn't matter what's going on in your relationship. It's never just going to be about one thing. It's just, that's not how it works, right? Yeah. And so, it, you know, it can be incredibly useful to have those three-way discussions so that you can get lots of things out and it feels mm. very safe. It feels secure. It feels, in some ways, it feels easier to talk to a third person in the room with your partner listening. Yeah. Sounds bonkers, but it, it you know, it's oh, very it often easier mm-hmm. to be able to do that because you are almost being given the permission to speak. Not only that, 
you're paying for the session, right? So you want to make the most of it. Mm-hmm. Is generally what I find. Yeah. So, so I think absolutely yes. I think that uncovering the reasons can be very difficult. But you said something there, Anna, which is around catching things early. And I do really think this is the same in any issue in your relationship, but especially when it comes to sex, because the longer you leave it, the worse it gets, the more the kind of the gulf is in, and and things might be absolutely wonderful in every other aspect of your relationship. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, this gulf is there and it's very, very often difficult to kind of, you know, join those two sides back together. Mm -hmm. So the Mm -hmm. sooner you pick up on this and the sooner you raise it as a question in your relationship, the better. Yes. Yep. Absolutely. Oh, totally. This is just scratching the surface, but I I would say that, um, it is important if you're worried about it, you have a right to be, um, and you deserve to have a conversation, many conversations with your partner. And it's not fair to not talk about it. It, You know, even though it's hard, um, reach out for help if needed. Um, but it's one of the most common things that we see and it's an inevitability. Our, uh, spontaneous desire to have sex is going to drop off six months to two years into any relationship. So if you're somebody who has a hankering for a long-term commitment, like this is a bridge that all of us are going to have to cross. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think, you know, the other thing is really focusing on other parts of your relationship because it's easy. There are lots of things that are a kind of foundation and a level for this. And just as they are in the courting stage, we, when we're in this kind of amazing wonderful kind of um period of abundance then we're also putting a lot of time and energy into the relationship and that also drops off and there's a correlation between the amount of investment that we're putting into the relationship and and then the amount that we're getting out of it whether that's sexual or otherwise so the you know really focus on as if you wanted a starting point that you know you're not ready to maybe have the conversation with your partner yet Make the conversation different. Make it be about the spending time together and make it be about how can we get quality, richer time that we have got. And that might be few and far between, right? Because I get it. People work different shifts. You've got Mm. kids, you've got parents to take care of, you've got a cat to get to the vet, you've got some charity that you've just volunteered to. I get it. The slice of time that we've got available to us to Mm. spend as a couple is, is... is diminishing in at yeah. times and depending on different stages that we're in in life so work out a plan to make the most of those tiny moments that you do get and start with that if nothing else mm-hmm. start with some reconnection in the form of kisses and cuddles and just a general kind of a conversation about how are you but like how mm. are you really not just a how is it a and I'm not listening because I'm busy making dinner and I've just completely blanked out everything you said. And then I'll probably ask you a question that you've already answered. You right, know? right. So that being kind of present, that real kind of deep interest in your partner, start with those things. Yes. Mm. Because without it, who wants to jump into bed with somebody that's not interested in them? I know, I know. Oh, okay. Well, that's a start. It's a very tantalizing start, but all good stuff to get you going. Indeed. Oh, yes. Thank you, Sarah. Okay. Should should we move to a question? Yes. Yes, please. Today's question. My girlfriend and I have different values and beliefs. Is it possible to still have a good relationship without compromising who we are and giving up on our values? 
Oh, yes, maybe, <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. Well, it's interesting that you brought up during the um, love desk there talking about political interests, because that's very often something, isn't it, that people are quite wedded to. They're kind of like, these are my views and I cannot go out with somebody who doesn't agree with those Um so that's kind of one aspect of it. And we get other views and values that we believe in. Um, and we hold them very, very dear to who we are. And living in accordance with your values, we know is really, really important for our own levels of satisfaction. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, yes. But oh. the cool thing is <laughs> that these guys are actually thinking about values, which is great. Huge points. Yeah. Because what they're doing is they're noticing clashes and they've nailed down correctly that it is a values clash. This is awesome. I love values assessments. They're great. Couples values assessments. Awesome. Yeah. So um, I, I received some lovely advice uh, a few months ago, which is success in a relationship is determined by three C's. I'll add a fourth one, which is commitment. But the three C's are chemistry, <laughs> communication, and compatibility. And compatibility is our values. Like those are... Uh, a, a very wise man says that the less bridges that you have to cross in order to reach each other, the less obstacles, the less gaps, um, it's just the easier it is. Uh, so in terms of shared values and, you know, forming our compatibility, what are the things that you have seen are really important to get aligned? The kind of the, the deal breakers? I think... For me, it's not necessarily that you need to have the exact same values because you can have respect for somebody else's values, still appreciate them as a person and still have lots of other things that make you compatible as a couple. Mm-hmm. If you have no alignment in any area of your relationship, values or otherwise, then you are going to encounter problems. So... Mm. There's, there are things that are kind of face value things that we maybe, you know, can overcome. We talked before about kind of music taste. So it might be that I like one particular music, you like another. And we can overcome that because we'll either find some common ground of things that we're comfortable listening to together or we'll listen to music and we'll enjoy it separately and we'll be okay with that. Hmm. You know, same when it comes to kind of movies or lots of those kind of surface level things that we enjoy doing Mm -hmm. if we have some kind of values and beliefs that are fundamental around things like having children Mm -hmm. how children are raised where to where to have children you know Mm -hmm. where do we live while we raise a family that sort of thing then there will be certain things that are just impossible to overcome Mm -hmm. I think and you then need to decide, so let's take the, the children as an, as an aspect. If you fundamentally want to have children and your partner is saying, no, I don't, you either have to give up on the idea of having children mm. or you have to find a new partner. Yeah. Because it's unlikely that that person, if they're saying categorically, I don't, do not want to do this, and they have been straight up with you and have not wavered from that. They, they haven't said, well, there could be a possibility in the right circumstances. If it's a hard no, I do not want them. Then the decision then is how much do I want children versus how much do I want this person? Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, and other. So, yeah, th- those are huge. Um, val- oh, my gosh. Yes. Um, I, I think. um 
I think what's important here is like most of the time when we do a values assessment, an individual assessment, like what are you value in your life? Accomplishment, uh, financial freedom, um, creativity, sensuality, whatever. It's fairly easy, not totally easy, but fairly easy to nail down a list for yourself. I, I think what's important, oh, it's hard about values in, uh, relationship is that the things that are actually important, we don't realize are important until mm. we run into conflict with them. So it, it is really, really hard because I, we, I can, I can give you a list of 20 things that you should probably in a relationship are, are deal breakers to be in alignment with, but maybe there's one that's not on the list that ends up being really, really important. Uh, so it's just so important to be able to, I'm going to say something crazy. I think sometimes you need to have like a big relationship and go through it as like, a formative experience and you may not last in that relationship, but it can set you up for the next relationship. So you know, it's important. Honestly, I think learning from failure is really important in relationship. Are you telling this couple to do? <laughs> I, am I saying like maybe a divorce or a big breakup is important to your formative learning? I'm like, yes, I think it is. <laughs> like, how do we know until we've some, gone through it? In this in this specific question, though, there's clearly some awareness of values. Otherwise, they wouldn't be raising the question. They wouldn't be talking about it. So there's clearly some awareness there. I guess what I'm hearing is the fear that because we're not totally compatible in that space, does that mean the relationship can continue? Should we, you know... Just pack it in and go home. Yeah, should we, should we bother? And I think there isn't an easy answer to this. So there isn't a black or white yes or no, because right. as you say, we can still have a value and I may have the same value as you, but I might interpret that differently. So mm -hmm. even, even if we've got the same value, what that means to us and how we want to express and live by that value could still be different. Mm -hmm. Equally, I could have a value that I think is tremendously important to me. And I'm like, no, I'm firm on this. This is really important to me, but actually with the right combination of a person and lots of other things I love about them, am I prepared to soften on that value? Mm. Potentially, yes. Mm -hmm. I might say, well, or is there a way to kind of carve out a position where I still feel okay with mm -hmm. that value set and you're allowed to feel okay with how you're kind of do, doing it differently? You know, kind of money would be a primary thing, right? So if you've mm -hmm. got somebody who really values security, financial security, they want to keep a certain amount in the bank they always want to make sure they've got enough to pay the bills they want to be kind of looking two or three years ahead of their kind of financial planning and you've got another person in the relationship who thinks actually I'm quite free with my money I know that money flows in money flows out I'm quite mm. an abundant mindset I don't really worry about where the next penny's coming from because I know I'll be okay so there's two like very very different mindsets there and mm -hmm. two different ways of viewing their relationship with money and the value that they have and the association they have with it. Now, it could be that you say, okay, on paper, right, that person's not for me then because they are the complete opposite of how I am. But there's a couple of things here. One is a partner can often teach us something that we didn't know about. And mm. that's the beauty of relationships. So it might be that over time, the partner who's kind of hell-bent on saving, not spending, being really prudent learns to kind of give a little bit and as a result learns that they experience more fun in other areas mm -hmm. the person on the flip side who's not quite kind of of the same mindset and just thinks do you know what it'll come whatever may at some stage start to see the benefit of having a bit of savings in the bank and they might start to change their ways so over time they still have 
a similar approach to the value of money, but they're combining their position to get to a, a place that they're both happy and comfortable. Mm. And they mm. won't know that until they go through it, until they start to experience it. Mm. Mm. Yeah, very true. Because you don't know how you're going to react or respond to something half the time. And, and, it, and it's a great bet to take, which is, you're right, like we won't know. Uh, we can try our very best to both align, to communicate, to understand how we sit, and then to try to see if we would venture to shift and to yeah. compromise a bit and possibly surprise ourselves. Like that is the big thing. Sometimes, yeah. like, I think one of the biggest things is, as you mentioned, children, um, that if somebody yeah. says, I don't want children, that is true for them today. I would not want to be like, well, maybe I'll change their mind. I would yeah. not take that bet. Having said that, um, could that person five years down the road with a different partner change their mind? Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah our values shift. And that is, that can be very hurtful for a prior partner who heard a categorical no before, but mm. you can surprise yourself and really shift. Uh, but it shouldn't be out of like, um, it shouldn't be out of a forced, uh, compromise. No. It should not be something that stretches you beyond who you are. Um, you should like yourself and love yourself even more uh, after coming out of a, a loving negotiation period with a partner to say, well, how much could I bend over to the other mm. side to have, to, you know, to have us meet? Yeah, I think there's a difference between completely going against your values and being open to somebody else's perspective mm. on how things could be different. That is mm. a truly different um, kind of approach to it. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You know... You got your whole life to uh, come into alignment with each other and you'll never get there. And so you don't have to get into alignment to start your journey. That's the whole point. That's the marathon. Yeah. I think it's about looking at your, what, what is the commonality? What, is, what are the bits that make you happy? Where's your secret sauce? Yeah. What are you kind of, you know, what are you proud of in your relationship? And if there's enough there, then just build on it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And having the conversation, like, is amazing. It is with the right person. It is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Feeling loved up and positive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Some good stuff to take into the, we're just scratching the surface on both of these, like just scratching the surface. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So how is your week before Budapest going to look? I'm feeling quite calm and confident about life right now so I'm gonna oh. go with that oh oh that is lovely yeah oh. no I'm feeling pretty good actually good ask me good. at the end of the week I might feel different <laughs> is it because that moon got back into alignment or something you were saying a few weeks ago that the moon was oh the ret was it something in ret mercury in retrograde yeah yes yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I haven't heard a lot about stars, so <laughs> maybe, maybe we're all in a good space. Yeah, maybe we are. Yeah, maybe we are. But you know what? For those who aren't, we're here, and we're all going to go back into some retrograde planet Aquarius, so uh, <laughs> pack our episodes for the hard days ahead. That's a beautiful thing. There's easy days ahead, and there's hard days ahead, and that's what life is. Indeed. Yeah. Well, it sounds like it's drinking hour now. I shouldn't make too many jokes about alcohol, but <laughs> I am. <laughs> because uh, now i'm in the evening time now it's like full-on dark I know. Yeah. I, well it is pitch black outside i've got to mm -hmm. say it right now yes yep. i am um, i keep thinking about that book that you shared or you mentioned about the seasons was it called seasons or winter 
Oh my about gosh. How we need to learn to live with it. And I really think I need to read it because um I don't approach this time of year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my lovely friend. She rather than running away from the Toronto winter, she dives right on in with a good pair of boots and makes yeah. use of these beautiful walks mm. in the wintry with a good with a good uh, uh good jacket. Good jacket. Yeah, I did boots. purchase a new raincoat actually, ready for Budapest in case it does rain. Ah. Good. So I'm just getting myself element ready, don't good. you worry. Good, good, good. Ah, oh, well, enjoy, enjoy, have some scrummy food. Yes, I know. La Polenka was the uh, local drink. Holy man, that'll put hair on your chest. <laughs> oh my God. So what was that? I think it was Polenka. Wait just a second. Mm-hmm. Let me just like, double, let, I'm going to fact check myself just so I'm not uh, uh, hungry. Oh, Polenka. Sorry, just one second. Uh, no, not polka dog. Polenka. It was high fidelity stuff. Yeah, very hectic. So it'll keep you warm, though. That's the whole point. You have okay. to drink palinka to get through the uh, to get through the winter. Through the, so, through the chilly times. Yeah. Enjoy. Tell me all about it. I will. Yes, I shall look forward and I'll see if I can gather any love news on my way. Okay. All right. That sounds good. <laughs> Catch more right. than a cold on the plane. Absolutely. Hmm. Till next time. Till next time. So that's it for another week of Geordie Lass and Doc Sass. We hope you've enjoyed listening as much as we've enjoyed chatting. Get in touch and share your questions for relationship remedies and any hot topics you want us to cover. If you need help navigating all things relationships, Anna and Sarah are available for one-on-one coaching support. Email info at geordielass.com. Please remember to like, share, subscribe if you've enjoyed listening. And if you've not, how on earth have you made it this far? I promise we'll try harder next time.